Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Norton Young Adult Podcast. Ethan and I are finishing up our conversation on what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus through secrecy and fasting. Excited for you guys to check it out. Well, Ethan, excited that we are back continuing this conversation on apprenticeship. I am too, man. I love the fact that people won't be able to see it, but you just like kind of whipped your glasses off and like a like like a professor, like, well, yes, we did, Gary. Well, the, I realized I looked at you and I wear glasses for the blue light. Thing. Yeah. And because uh, it's supposed to help with headaches. And yeah. uh, I realized I looked at you and was like, I really feel astute with these and I don't feel like I should feel that way. Yeah. So I took them off and then it looked- it's still there. Like you, you're pointing with your glasses and stuff. Anyway, we're getting off. But I think it's funny. This is the way you did that. It cracked me up. I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. this is legit. But mm-hmm. I'm excited kind of continuing this conversation. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I, this is our last in the series on Correct. Apprentice of, of Jesus. So I guess we're going to be kind of capping off the, the conversation. But. But I'm curious, what is what is something that you would say, like, kind of continuing theme, like something even now, like at the end of this, that people should be taking away um, from the series of these, like, different, like, each episode has been minute things, like, kind of pulling apart what this means. What would you say is, like, maybe an overarching thing even now to kind of keep in the, the back of your mind throughout this conversation? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I wish I would have known you were going to ask that ahead of time. <laughs> I would have thought more about it. But right. off, off the cuff, I'm... Uh, I'm really passionate in the sense that we look at Jesus not only as our Savior, Mm -hmm. which he is, like I want to be clear on that, but looking at him as our teacher, as the way in which we live our life. Yeah. And so it's not a matter of um, following Jesus isn't a moment that happens in my life and then from there just ends. Mm -hmm. It's like a continual motion that I'm following him. Mm And taking my cues from him, learning from him. The apprenticeship to Jesus is all on these spiritual uh, disciplines. And it's basically, what am I attaching my life to? Right. And then what do the rhythms and habit of my life show that I'm attaching it to? Yeah. Because you can say you attach it to one thing, but the rhythms and your patterns and lifestyle is what it actually reveals. And so, right. yeah, that's off the cuff type thinking yeah, right. for, well, for where we're at. Well, that's awesome. And I think it kind of even just helps, you know, keep that in the forefront of our minds, kind of moving yeah. into the closing of this conversation. And today we're talking about secrecy and fasting. Yeah. So I don't know, like, let's just jump right into it, like breaking down what that looks like in, in light of being an apprentice of Jesus. Love to. I, I think um, secrecy is kind of fascinating to me because. Um, secrecy is not something our culture values at all, which is probably most of the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Uh, they're so <laughs> countercultural. They're so different. They're so unique. And secrecy, our, our culture loves, uh, John Ortberg calls it uh, this approval addiction. We live mm-hmm. in an approval addicted culture that mm-hmm. we are constantly wanting to impress people, wanting people to love us, wanting people to admire us, and yeah. we live for others' approval. And so we're just addicted, and however we can get people's approval is what we'll chase after. Yeah. And um, I think it's because every human being, even the story of the gospel, the outline of the Bible, would say that we all um, are looking and searching for approval, and yeah. we only find that in God. And if we can't find it in God, we just keep, we're addicted mm. to it. So it's a human yeah. thing. And right. secrecy is completely against that. Mm. secrecy looks at it completely different. I, uh, John Ortberg, he says this, he says, 
The primary symptom is that the tendency to confuse our performance is some aspect of life with our worth as a person. Hmm. So our approval addiction is attaching to our identity. Hmm. And so we tend to be comparing. We tend to be uh, resentful if we don't get what we want. We de- de- uh, can be kind of deceptive in how we treat yeah. people. Um because we're just looking for something. Mm-hmm. And so secrecy is completely different. Um, the Desert Fathers, which is sounds like an awesome band name, it but it's not. Uh, it <laughs> might be, actually. I don't know. But the Desert Fathers, they had kind of this saying and this connection between secrecy and a heart that is warm towards God. Like, the, the, if you're... If you want to be keep the fire hot, they would say, you must not open the door of the furnace too often. Hmm. So I think about my heart as this door that I'm opening and closing. Hmm. And when I let you peek into my heart, I'm opening that furnace door wow. a little bit. So you're experiencing that heat, which is good. And yet at the same time, what tends to happen is I let off heat from my personal walk with God. You, you yeah. tracking that? Oh, yeah. I think that's so powerful, and that's why secrecy, it's that it stokes that fire for Jesus inside. Mm-hmm. It's what, who am I when nobody's watching? It's yeah. what, do, what does my life look like when nobody uh, can see it, right? Like Jesus modeled this. He lived 33 years on earth, and his 30 years uh, just in his life, like 30 years, we know hardly anything about him. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what made Jesus Jesus. Yeah. And then those last three years he did ministry and then did. Like, climax and then did. Like, yeah. it just, the whole story of Jesus is fascinating when you look at it uh, in that lens. And so, hmm. the I want to just go quick on secrecy and then yeah. we'll move into fasting, which is one that I'm incredibly passionate about. Because yeah. as you can tell, Garrett, I do not like food at all. Um, oh, get, fa- out. get out of here. You're, okay, fa- get out of Fasting is fun, but <laughs> it is. I So with simplicity, I think there's not a whole lot that needs to be said, and so that's maybe mm-hmm. why I'm fumbling a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, maybe three things that I would say application-wise is do right. something good and try and make sure that nobody finds out about it. Yeah. Um, that would be the main goal is just, do something good, mm-hmm. and then find, let nobody know that you did it. Like, yeah. blame it on somebody else or hide or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think we've done things in the past. I think uh, Dan's talked to me about um, elfing somebody, which I'm really not sure what that means. <laughs> um, Is it the same as booing somebody in Halloween when you, you <laughs> leave candy at their door or something? Yeah, or? something like that. Where right. I, I didn't know that's what people call it at Halloween, but yeah, yeah. something... Where they would drop off presents and and nobody knows mm-hmm. it was them, right? And they get to kind of watch in the distance. And yeah, you, you try and make it a habit. Exactly. Uh, I'd make it a habit to live in the shadows and put others in the spotlight. Yeah. And so when you think about, uh, I think about that with young adults. Yeah. Um, I uh, really anywhere, any social environment. Am I always trying mm-hmm. to be the center of the attention? Do I want the spotlight on me? Or can I somehow operate in the shadows, working a room completely without even being noticed? I think mm-hmm. it's so uh, powerful, such a testimony of Jesus. And then mm-hmm. uh, put yourself in spaces where you simply aren't noticed or you're not cool. Yeah. Um, 
I think about me at home when I'm doing dishes. I am not cool mm-hmm. or noticed. Yeah. And which is weird because I'm trying to get recognized for being cool and noticed by doing dishes at home. So yeah. I have the mess. Like, I'm talking about it. Like, yeah. they're so awkward. Like, I, I worked on an apple orchard for the mm-hmm. longest time. And I'll tell you what. I was, nobody knows all the things that I did there. Nobody yeah. knows notices all the little things that I would do. And not like I need to be noticed, but find the areas in life yeah. where you're not cool. Right. And I'd, I'd even add to that a little bit where I think it's fascinating how sometimes we think the people who are trying to grab the most attention are the people who are at the front of the stage, who are up speaking the loudest, doing the things. But I think the, the flip side could be true. Hmm. Like you could be trying to grab for people's attention by being the quietest, by being hmm. a hermit, by v- like visibly trying to hide yourself and being too far like gone. And I think that's a dangerous thing as well. It's finding that happy middle where it's like I'm involved, I'm doing stuff, but I'm not trying to make it about me, whether that's, you know, the the woe is me aspect or the hey, look at me and how great I am sort of aspect. Yeah, there's a happy middle ground, I think, to that. Um, and, and, you know, and that's where secrecy lies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, uh, secrecy is like the heartbeat yeah. of, of some of the spiritual disciplines. If, and it's really not one that's, um, you probably won't have to plan two hours to do secrecy, you yeah. know? Yeah. You just kind of go, okay, today I need to do something in secret. Mm-hmm. And so what can I do? Something so small, something so minuscule, and yet makes yeah. some kind of difference. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's switch gears here to fasting. I like it. All right, you ready? Yep. So um, I want to start by a John Wesley quote Ooh, of fasting. So he says this, that some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture mm. and reason, and yet others have disregarded it completely. Mm. And so John Wesley, uh, I think, defines two camps. I'm going to add a third camp Do it. of where people fall with fasting, is that we have the faithful fasters, we have the furious fasters, and we have the forgetful fasters. Hmm. Those are kind of the three camps in which I see is that the faithful fasters, they're the ones who fast regularly. Uh, they're If not, they're always doing it constantly. Everyone yeah. knows they're fasting. They look really religious when they're fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually... Um, I didn't... Yeah, I guess I'll share it. Uh, <laughs> I was... I was having a conversation uh, on Sunday with somebody none of you guys know, um, and as I was talking to them, they kept telling, they kept bringing up this awkward thing of fasting with me. Yeah, and they kept saying, "I've been fasting since January because of everything going on in our world and wow. COVID and political spectrum and all this stuff." And I'm like, the whole point of fasting, like I, that's why we paired fasting and secrecy together, yeah. <laughs> because sometimes our faithful fasters. Uh, they just get, they look at it as, as the spiritual superhero. Like yeah. fasting is when you really hit the mark. Yeah, you see somebody who's fasting, you're like, oh my goodness, right. look at them. They're the champions. Look at them roll. Oh my goodness. Exactly, exactly. They, they, uh, yeah, they just always have the new diet plan. They yeah. have sick stomach anyways, so they fast anyways or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, like, and that's not what fasting is. If you're mm-hmm. fasting to fit into a dress or be a spiritual superhero or because you your stomach hurts anyway, that's not the point of fasting. The, yes. the furious fasters, um, they fast because they feel like they got to. Hmm. So God says they need to fast, and so they fast, but they're usually upset. They're usually moody when they're doing it. Yep. 
and then as soon as it's over, they binge eat. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like, as we look at uh, fasting, you can do it in the sense of eating or you can do it in the sense of other things. I've, I've heard that. Right. Um, I really believe there's some value to fasting from food. I didn't always believe that, but I think that Jesus was setting a model uh, that mm-hmm. is often not practiced. And that's okay. Like, I think... I think you got to go at your own pace and and move into all of these spiritual disciplines at a just easily walk into the shallow end of the pool and then move towards the deep end. Like, Mm. don't start a forty day fast, but yeah, furious fasters. As soon as they, as soon as it's over, they binge eat or they. If you're fasting from Netflix, you just binge watch a bunch of shows afterwards. Like, oh, what was the point of the fast? Exactly. Really. And then the forgetful fasters, they just don't see the point or they just somehow never thought of doing it or they always have an excuse that they get headaches, they get weak, they have dietary issues. Mm. Um, and I will say this, if if there are those moments, some of those are legitimate, oftentimes uh, I can handle a headache if I'm not eating. Mm-hmm. All right, I can, I'll be okay. Drink enough water. Uh, there's, there's definitely things that uh, you can do in response to. Right. Uh, things of fasting, but let's go into why should we fast? Exactly. Yeah. Why? Why in the world? Because we look at this. All right, we got the faithful mm-hmm. fasters, furious fasters, forgetful fasters. Yeah. Why would we fast? Yeah. Well, and I like food. I don't want to give it up. Uh, I know. Convince right? me. Why should I give up food if I love it so much? <laughs> well, it's not because the Bible says so. I'm not going to start there. Yeah. But I'm going to say that Jesus says so. Oof. And not only that, Jesus did it. Jesus fasted in Matthew. Yeah. Uh, three sixteen and four three. As soon as uh, Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and at that moment, and heaven opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, uh, and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, "This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased." Mm. So Jesus first knew who he was, like God the Father kind of told him who he was. So fasting, to me, side note, is a response to what God's done. It's not like this thing to win God's approval. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit um, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was, right? Yeah. And then uh, the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Oftentimes, um, with Jesus, I think I look at fasting. I've looked at that passage, read that passage. Oh, poor Jesus has gone out mm-hmm. to the wilderness. He just fasted. He's starving. He's he's God, but he's just barely going to make it out of this one. And then mm-hmm. Satan comes and tempts him, and how in the world is he going to make it? And I read, um, I read the book... Um, I think it was Celebration of Discipline, if not yeah. The Life You Always Wanted yeah, uh, by John Ortberg. And one of those resources said that Jesus had to fast because fasting was a place of strength, not weakness, mm. which totally is upside down from what our normal thinking is, that if Jesus didn't fast, he wouldn't have been ready to face Satan. Mm. So that's interesting to me because maybe there's something to that, that we're fasting um, for strength, not in a sense of weakness. Yeah. Um, not only that, Jesus assumes that his followers mm. fast. So Jesus fasted. Yeah. 
He assumes that his followers will because in Matthew 6, 16 to 18, he says, when you fast, he doesn't say you should fast. He just kind of assumes that if you're following Jesus, you're going to fast. Exactly. All right. So when just some things to keep in mind when fasting is that we fast from identity in a place of security, not for it, because Jesus literally... God said, you're my son whom I'm well pleased. Mm. And then Satan attacks his identity and says, if you're the son of God. Exactly, yeah. He was fasting from a place of identity, not mm. for that. Exactly. He fasts to, to bring, that brings strength. Uh, fasting brings strength, not weakness. And then I believe fasting can bring clarity uh, mm. and certainty, even to the uncertainty um, and unclear things. I think of it... Uh, Matthew, right after that scene in Matthew, mm-hmm. Jesus then goes out and calls his disciples, yeah. uh, the 12 guys. And so it can bring clarity uh, when things feel kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Fasting can bring spiritual breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, and then fasting is fulfilling. Uh, Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So fasting can bring this union and communion with uh the spirit of god in a unique unique way yeah and and, you know i think i think it's fascinating even um and you may go here Mm -hmm. um christ often makes analogies to the word of god and to being in relationship with him Mm -hmm. as being food you know in the book of john we read christ says that i am the bread of life yeah and then even and you know we probably all know um uh, the lord's prayer where he, he says, you know, give us today our daily bread. I don't think he's necessarily talking about physical bread. He's talking about, you know, the scriptures, the word of God. Yeah. And even I'm living water, you know, women at the well. He says, you know, I, you know, I have water that, you know, will be totally satisfying to yep. you. Not only satisfy you for a little while, but for all eternity. So. Yeah. You literally just jumped into my next point. Boom. That, segue. That fasting is <laughs> feasting on God. <laughs> Exactly. So fasting is telling my body no to tell God yes. And so uh, I'd use it for me. I'm terrible at this. I, I don't love fasting by any means. So <laughs> I'm like talking to you guys as like somebody who's awful with this. Yeah. Um, but it's for me, uh, I use it as an intentional time to journal, intentional mm-hmm. time to read. I even say this, an intentional time to nap. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, yeah, I'll just kind of leave that out there. I think sometimes the best thing, the most spiritual thing we could do, I always yeah. try and say this regularly, is maybe take a nap. Exactly. Um, Jesus took naps. Uh, be intentional uh, to pray. Uh, fasting can bring you present to the moment because as soon as your stomach grumbles, you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm fasting. You start thinking present to the moment right here, right now. Yeah. So that's that's very helpful, I think. Mm. So you fast to feast on God. You fast to fight the flesh. Yeah. Uh, and flesh is this concept of of not like your actual skin or anything, but like yeah. flesh is that selfish desire that we all have. Mm. The I bend my own way, yeah. my own direction. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say even talk to this a little bit, Ethan. How is it that like, you know, there's a spiritual aspect of flesh. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen the scripture. But when it comes to fasting, I think there's also a physical aspect of it yeah. too, denying the flesh. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Like, what what does that look like, you know, 
practically within like, because it's very easy for us, I think, to recognize the physical fleshly desires in contrast with um, the spiritual um, sort of result we're trying to get out of fasting. Yeah. I think in America, our our stomachs have become our gods. Hmm. Um, uh, I think that we, uh, as terrible as that sounds, I, like our... Our stomach, our stomachs rule our schedule. Our restaurants are like our temples, yeah. And churches, our DoorDash and GrubHub have become our saviors because they're just kind of coming out. <laughs> it's like, you I know? need something, DoorDash, yeah. bring it to DoorDash, me. DoorDash, bring it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I think, I think God, it's fascinating to me that fascinating. Let's use this word. It's intriguing. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's worth noting that. When your stomach, what does your stomach do when it doesn't eat? It grumbles. It yells grumbles. at me. It growls. It yeah. yells. Your stomach is like a child who's mm. complaining and whining to you all the time. Mm. And Jesus, what he's trying to do is tell yourself, no. Yeah. You be the God. Yeah. <laughs> Let me re- go back. I wish I could take that out or edit that. <laughs> that didn't happen. You be in control of your stomach because yeah. that's what God wa- is wanting you to do. He's wanting yeah. you to master self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. And the fruit of the, the Spirit's living inside of me mm-hmm. to help and to fuel me having self-control because that's a fruit right. of it. Um. So when when you're fasting and your stomach growls or your stomach whines, it's like, oh yeah, I remember I'm in control of you. Like mm-hmm. just just remember that stomach. Like yeah, in that sense, it's almost like a spoiled kid. Yeah. Um, one of our campus pastors, Stanley Levigny, he said this to me. Uh, I think we were on a car ride once, and uh, that probably sounded really nasty in the mic. I just yeah. I have no idea what to say. I'll be editing so this later, and I'll be like, ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> So what did Tony say Tony to you? Levine, Tony Levine said this. He, he said, uh, I tell myself no to something every day so that when I'm not, so that I can become uh, used to not getting what I want. Hmm. And I think about, like, that is so good. Yeah. That is so good. Hmm. Every time you pass the candy tray that sits on Shirley's desk, Ethan, <laughs> you don't need a piece of candy. You yeah. don't need a Jolly Rancher. Just tell yourself no. So then Ethan's not the God of the universe, yeah. but rather God is the God of the universe. And I can have self-control in yeah. my life. I think that's so good. Yeah. And I think that's even like a, a good aspect of, I think, and we've, we've mentioned this in little things throughout this whole like aspect of being an apprentice of Jesus. A lot mm-hmm. of times I think it's um, doing our best to try and, and accomplish the small little aspects of what it means to like accomplish these, you know, like fasting and different spiritual disciplines. Um, and it's, when you get a grasp of the the little aspects and doing the little things, yes. it ultimately helps in the larger things. Like you mentioned passing by Shirley, who's, you know, if you guys have ever been to the office, she's like the sweetest lady who sits at the front desk and greets you and has yes. like the friendliest smile. And she has a little bowl of candy. It's like, yeah, like it is so tempting. And it, I love that. Yeah. And it's so welcoming. It's so nice. Like, yeah. you know, Shirley isn't trying to tempt you with every piece of candy, but it is one of those things. If you are able to say no 
to even the smallest like candy. For me, it's like a cup of coffee. I'm like, ah, it's only what, like, you know, two bucks, three bucks. I'm like, ah, it's not that big. But yeah, saying no to that, even as small as a thing it is, it helps in the larger things as you, you know, grow and like, you know, know, I don't know if I could ever pull a Jesus 40 days of fasting (laughs) um, from food, but it, it, it is the the being diligent in the little things that ultimately help in the larger aspect of things. Yeah. I I would totally agree. And um I almost want to just wrap it up of um we'll wrap the whole series on that. Hmm. Of I, I shared this a couple of weeks ago in our in young adult group and it's yeah. it's been something that's just been hitting hard for me. It's like taking a uh, we're watching the hub being torn down right now outside our building. Yeah. And I'm like, this has been just bulldozing into like, God's been just hmm. pushing this and breaking my heart. Um, for, uh, this is that first Thessalonians four eleven says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Yeah. Make it your goal to lead an ordinary, but extraordinary life. Hmm. One that is so ordinary that it looks so simple, it's slow, it's present to the moment, it's quiet, it's real, it's relaxed, it's peace-filled, non-anxious, God-filled, love-driven, joyful life. Where This is kind of the good life, is that it's found in apprenticing Jesus, found in a cup of coffee, in the quietness of the morning, a growling stomach with a journal in hand, yeah. an evening conversation on a date with Jesus, an afternoon nap, and then a cup of tea, just enjoying the ordinary things of life to an extraordinary way in the the presence and apprenticeship to Jesus. Yeah, right? That's the good life. And I think Matthew 11, and I'll just read it and we'll just cut it. How's that? Alrighty. <laughs> It'll be the most abrupt ending. I don't know. But <laughs> Matthew 11... Um, the message version, it says this, yeah, just, oh my goodness, so good. Are you tired? Mm. Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus is saying this, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly as my apprentice Mm.